Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. This week, Dr. Denzella Dorsey closes out her series for our Mental Health Whole Life Sundays. Her topic, healing from our hurt, our broken brains. In it, she shares how unresolved trauma shows up in our everyday lives. that will change your very life. We're gonna be talking about information that often you hear people talk about, but they don't go in depth. And so for this short time, I wanna be able to share with you information that will change your life, talking about the human brain. So I'm gonna ask that you go with me to a portion of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13. In this scripture, the Bible says, so prepare your mind for action and self-control. The Bible says, so prepare your minds for action and self-control. And so this morning, I'm gonna be talking about the greatest organ that God has given us. This great organ is called the human brain. The human brain, God requires us to prepare our human brain for action. For action. I need you to know that the brain is actually the map of the whole body. Your brain is the map of the whole body. And not only is it the map of the whole body, but your brain develops from childhood to the age of 26. And you've heard me say this before. So our brain does not finish developing until you are at the age of 26. That also means that in its development, the brain has the potential to be healthy or unhealthy. So the things that have happened from zero to 26 has a way of creating, we call it biological patterns for our brain. And so today we have people talking about this notion called trauma. Y'all hear it on the radio. You see it on the gram. You see it on Facebook. You hear it in social media. Everybody is talking about this notion of trauma. And so when we look at trauma from a neurological perspective, we are talking about psychological neuroses. When we look at trauma from the biblical perspective, in the Bible, the Bible uses the word heart is the same word in the Greek and Hebrew for brain. So it means 
the mind, the will, and your emotions. So when our mind, our will, and our emotions have been affected by the things in our lives, our whole life can change. Please bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, we come now in the matchless name of Jesus. God, we come giving you praise, honor, glory. God, we come recognizing you as the great creator. God, we come recognizing you as the creator of our body, every body part. God, you knew it, you called it to be. And God, we thank you for every genetic code that we have. God, as we stand here as a body of believers, now God, we ask that you will manifest your healing power. We ask, oh God, that you will touch us in our heads down to the bottom of our very toes father god we ask god that you will go into those places that we dare not talk about those places god that we dare not identify we ask god in the name of jesus that you will identify every wound that we have whether it be psychological, whether it be social, we ask God, whether it be spiritual, Father, whatever womb that we have today, we ask, oh God, to identify it, but not only to identify it, oh God, we ask you to heal it in the name of Jesus. We honor you and we give it all back to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You've heard me say this before in with our brain, our brain develops from five areas. And I've been here and you've heard me say that it comes from our environment. So the environment that you grew up in, the environment that you have experienced in, those people who raised you, which are your primitive relationships, then your genetic predisposition, that means your genetic code, your experiences, and your social. All five of those areas, all five of those areas make up the human brain. Your environment has something to do with the way your brain processes information. I need you to hear me. The people who raised you, it doesn't have to be your mom. It could be grandma. It could be uncle. It could be cousin. It could be whoever raised you. And then your genetic predisposition. So that means the genetic codes that have passed down every chromosome, the X and the Y chromosome that you've received from mom and dad. And then your experiences. So everything that you and I go through, do you know it shapes your brain, whether positive or negative, everything that you go to go through. And then the last thing is your social connection. But I am so excited because guess what? What if those things were not positive in your life? So that just means that your brain it's moving in a very unhealthy trajectory. Now, remember I said the brain is the map of the what? The body. So wherever your body goes, your brain actually is telling it to go. So 
when we talk about those things, the good news that God, how God created the brain is that your brain can heal. I don't know about you, but that is good news. Do you know you can? You don't have to go to a doctor. You don't have to come see me as a psychotherapist. You don't have to go and take medication. There are some things that you can do to heal your brain. That is exactly how this brain is. So today for a little while, I'm going to talk to you about healing from the hurt, our broken brains. The last time I was here, I shared with you about um, my fifth book that was just recently released, Our Broken Brain, The Human Condition. And the reason why God gave me that title is because when we look at the things in our community, the violence, the betrayal, the wounds of trauma, because that's what the word trauma means. It means womb. It means that there is an emotional womb that that situation has caused. So when you come to a psychotherapist like me, we treat your emotional wounds. When you go to the medical doctor, they treat the physical wound. And so when we talk about trauma, we are talking about wounds. And so there are three words that I wanna bring forth to you and then I'm gonna go move quickly. Healing, healing is the same word in the biblical text that is the same word for wellness. It means therapeuto. That is where we got the word therapy from. The next word I said, trauma means womb. And when you hear the word brain or you read in the scripture where it talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind, the will, and the emotions. So the first thing that I want to tell you about the brain, and you've heard me say this before, our brain literally has three parts. In the back of the brain, that is what we call the primitive brain. That is our instinctive brain. That is the animal brain. That is the only part that we share in common with any animals. The middle part of our brain is called the limbic system. It is our emotional. So it is responsible for every emotion that we experience. And then the, the front part of our brain is called the prefrontal cortex. And it is our executive brain, and it is designed to help us process information, how to understand and use healthy logic. Now, I need to tell you that when our brain deals with stress, everybody say stress, stress changes your brain. Do you hear me? Stress changes your brain. Stress causes your brain to work overtime. And so when we talk about this instinctive brain, the animal brain, which we know as the medulla oblongata, that part of the brain is trained by instinct. And in that instinctive place, there are four things that that brain is going to do. You've heard me say it. That brain is going to fight. That brain is going to flight either run away, that brain is going to freeze or that brain is going to appease. That means that you just go along with what's going on. 
Those are the four fight, flight, freeze, and we call it peace and a please. And so what happens is your brain becomes customary by your environment. And you heard me talk about the environment before, but the next part is your emotional brain. And in your emotional brain, there are several parts that I want you to um, play close note. The first one is your hippocampus, the hippocampus. When your hippocampus has dealt with stress, your hippocampus is the part of the human brain that remembers everything that has ever happened to it. So for our men who go to military and go to the army, their brain absorbs everything about that environment. And so what happens is because they've been in combat, their brain has been trained for stress. That is why we have to offer counseling to them to teach, retrain their brain so that when they come back to civilian life, they're not responding in the way that they were in combat. We do the same thing with police officers. When, when guys and girls are going to the police academy, we put them in extreme stressful situations in order to teach them not to respond. So what we're doing is we're reprogramming their brain. But do you know if you grew up in a household where there is amounts of stress, yelling and cursing and fighting and drama, that will reprogram your brain and your brain will become susceptible to those things and your brain will normalize it. The other thing that the brain does, there's the hippocampus. Under the hippocampus is our hypothalamus. Your hypothalamus is responsible for your emotional balance. And so when the brain has dealt with a lot of stress, your balance is off. Your perceptions are wrong. And so what happens in the hypothalamus is that you perceive things in the wrong manner. If your hypothalamus is off and somebody is walking directly towards me, I'm going to think that they're coming to do something to me and they could be actually just walking down to take a seat. The other part of that is your striatum. Your striatum is the part that deals with excitement. And so with the striatum, the striatum is a boost. It causes you to move in the emotions of heightenedness. And so in our young people under the age of 26, their striatum is activated. That's why young people move in excitement and emotions because their striatum is still developing. That's why a lot of their decisions are made out of emotions. Think about all the decisions we've made out of emotions. And then in there, there's a part in the in the limbic system, it is called the amygdala. And you've heard me say, so what happens with the amygdala is that when your amygdala has dealt with a lot of stress, your amygdala becomes larger. So your amygdala becomes larger and your 
hippocampus becomes smaller, it causes you to have an imbalance. So what that means is you react at the wrong thing. All of that is the limbic brain. And then we have our prefrontal cortex. That's the part of the brain that when babies are first born, you hear us say, be careful with the baby's head because don't touch the, what do we say? Don't touch the what spot? The soft spot. The reason is, is because if that part of the baby's head is damaged or bruised, it will affect their cognitive functioning. And let me tell you, that's why we are always, when babies are little, we make sure they don't fall. Because when babies fall, it can change their brains. Your brain is an absorbent sponge. Your brain is so absorbent that your brain literally takes in the cognitions of its whole environment. So for the first seven years of a child's life, they don't have the vocabulary to speak about it, their emotions. And so what they began to do is they absorb the patterns. And so kids began to do not what we say, but what we do. So the way that God created this brain is that we have these things called emotion. And some cultures, we've been taught you shouldn't feel. We've been taught you should just keep, keep it pushing. Well, I'm here to tell you, in order to be human, you have to have emotions. I think hippocampus, I feel limpic brain. The limbic brain controls the type of responses you are going to have. So when your limbic brain has been bruised, your responses tend to be healthy or unhealthy. Jeffrey Dahmer, limbic brain didn't work well. People who experience violence, Sometimes they have to rewire their limbic brain because based on that, you're gonna get a certain response. Are you following what I'm saying? Stress, stress can change you. Look at yourself and say, stress can change me. Stress can change me. So, with that, trauma is messy work. Healing is messy work. So what are some things that can cause problems? Do you know bad news can change your brain? Because it's going to cause stress. When your brain has stress, it's going to respond with three chemicals, cortisol, adrenaline, and neophrenephrine. Cortisol 
is designed to help us regulate our emotions. Thank you so much. The adrenaline is what we get. You know, have you ever been tired and you did not get enough sleep, but just somehow you're able to just keep doing everything and then you get a burnout? That's the adrenaline. And then neoporephrine is the part, is the chemical that causes you to get agitated very quickly. So when we don't get enough sleep, our cortisol is released for adults. It's released at 11 o'clock. For children, their cortisol is released at one o'clock. So if we're not in the bed by 11 o'clock, we are retraining our brain, this area, so that you will be more stressed out, you will be more agitated, you will respond, you will go off on people, and that can become your norm. How many of you know people like that? So let me show you this. If you could just walk out there and show them. These red areas are going to demonstrate what happens when our brain is stressed. When you are angry, anger affects your head and your heart. When you are happy, same chemical. When you have pride, shame, envy, and love, anxiety, all of those things has a bearing on our physical. I need you to look at your name and say, take care of yourself. So how does our brain adapt? Your brain is designed by God to protect you. So there's four things that your brain will do. Your brain will seek to protect you from pain. So your brain will do whatever it needs to do to protect you. Number two, your brain will manipulate you. Everybody say manipulate. Your brain will manipulate you. So it will actually try to control you. Third thing is that your brain will create illusions. And then the last thing, your brain will ask a lot of questions. And so people say to me, Dr. Dorsey, I'm just real inquisitive. It's not you. It's the human brain. Because oftentimes your brain will ask questions in order to keep it safe. So when you see people, what are you seeing? I'm glad you asked me. You are seeing baseline behaviors. Everybody say baseline behaviors. With an iceberg, we only see what? The top. You only see what people present. But guess what leads a person's behavior? It's the things underneath. So that's why we have to learn to be very 
um, inquisitive when we meet people because what you see is really not what's going on. What's going on are those baseline, it's called unconscious self. Everybody say unconscious self. This is called your shadow. So what we refuse to acknowledge are those things which will manifest in our relationships. Did you catch that? Those things refuse to acknowledge. So for instance, people might say, I don't want to go over there. I don't like that. Well, what they're really saying is I got some trust issues down here. Some people might say, you know what? This makes me real angry. Well, what they're really saying is there are some unresolved issues down here. This is called your unconscious baseline behavior that we don't realize. So what you refuse to acknowledge are the things that will manifest. So I want you to think about what are some behaviors that you have seen in people? What are some behaviors that you've seen as in people? Selfishness comes from at the bottom. Give me another one. What are some other behaviors you've seen with people? Lashing out. So when we, violent motives, give me another one. Attention-seeking behavior, shameful experiences. So our unconscious behaviors are those things that manifest at the beginning. The next thing that I want to show you. Remember I said that when your perception is off with your executive brain, your emotional brain, and your animal brain, when you move in the animal brain, everybody you see is a threat to you. When you move in the animal brain, and some of us have been trained from our own environment to move in the animal brain. And so every situation, you go to your job, ooh, our perception is off. So we began to internalize and we think they are attacking us when they really just want you to do your job. But because we see things from a threatful place, everything that we do, we're gonna move in. I gotta punish this person. When you are in your emotional place, you're gonna see conflict as upset and irritating. So when you are upset and irritated all the time, you are in your emotional brain. And that just means that now your brain is saying that person must be stopped. But when you're in your executive brain, you are saying that this conflict, do I need some skills? The first place you go to is yourself. Do I need some skills? 
or do I need some help? Because what you're going to learn from me today is what is self-sabotage? Thank you so much. So let's go here. A couple of things I want to show you. One out of three mental health conditions come from child wounds. One out of three adults, one out of three adults have wounds from their childhood. And that means that every area in their life is going to be affected. So what do we do when we got childhood wounds? I'm glad you asked me this morning because we're going to have some fun with this. The first thing we do is we rationalize. See, when you have a childhood wound, you justify everything. You justify the attitudes. You justify your behavior. You justify your belief. You say, the reason why I do this is because of rationalization. When you have childhood wounds, you're going to operate in displacement. So that literally means that when, you, when your brain is stressed out, it's going to change the target of the behavior. That means that if you are upset with me, you're going to take it out on your pastor. Displacement. You mad with the people at work, but you come home cussing and fussing. You're stressed out in your body and you take it out on your children. Displacement. The next thing that we do when we have childhood wounds, we project. Projection means that when we feel a level of anxiety, because that's what the brain does, your amygdala literally lets the hippocampus know, hey, she is stressed out. And so what your brain begins to do, it goes into defensiveness. And so what it starts doing is, it starts assigning behaviors on other people. You start projecting. You start projecting your feelings. You start, you start saying stuff like, oh, I know you don't want to eat that cake when you are the ones who want to eat that cake, you know, at Thanksgiving. Um, do you really want to eat that cake? But instead of you saying, I want some more cake, but you don't want to appear greedy, so you... Put it on somebody else. Or we say stuff to our kids. You're going to be just like your. Oh, you just like grandma. You just like granddaddy. Oh, you got an attitude just like your daddy or your mom. These are projections. And so what happens is your children begin to take on those characteristics because you have projected your emotions. On yesterday, I did a conference um, with a group of people and one of the persons said, Dr. Dorsey, I saw my, in my family, I saw people fight all the time. And so 
from them seeing people fighting, they gain a mantra and a model for themselves. Basically to say, I'm not going to let nobody mess with me. Now, as a 62-year-old adult, they was willing to be honest to say, I did not believe that I am still operating in that behavior. And so what they talked about is how they have taught their kids and their grandkids how to stand up for themselves, but they were literally projecting the pain from what happened to them. Projection. Regression. Regression is when you hold on to memories and thoughts and you act them out in your experiences. So that means that you are a adult. You've been holding on to the pain from childhood. But when you get mad, instead of solving problems like an adult, you revert back to what? Here's a child-like response. How many adults do you know who pout? How many adults do you know who throw temper tantrums? How many adults do you know who walk out when they get mad? How many adults do you know that stop talking? I'm just, I'm just. Regression. Childhood trauma. The next thing that the brain will do is the brain will go into denial. Denial is when we walk around like nothing ever happened. You know what happened to you, not in your childhood, but you know all the bad relationships that you've gone through and you've never sat down to just do the work for yourself to say, huh? Why did I get in a relationship with them? What is healthy about this person? What is unhealthy about this person? You didn't do the work. And now when you look back, you've been with about 67 of the same people. Denial. You look at your work history and you realize, man, I can't stay on a job no, no longer than a year. Man, I'm on marriage number six. But you're realizing that, you know what? It's not them. It's your trauma that keep trauma bonding to people. Denial. So when we don't deal with things that are unconscious, they manifest consciously. So why is it important to tame your animal brain? Everybody said, tame my animal brain. Tame your animal brain because your animal brain will focus on the small stuff. Your animal brain gets upset over little things. Your animal brain is not able to make a change. You question every new change. You are resistant to change. Why we got to change that time? Why we got to go over and do that? Why we not eating at two o'clock? Now we got to eat at seven o'clock. Your animal brain is resistant to change. 
Your animal brain likes the familiar. Please everybody say with me, my brain is lazy. Your brain does not like doing anything new. Do you know it takes your brain 30 days to get used to something new? It takes your neurons 30 days. That's why they told you if you want to make something a habit, you have to do it for at least 40 days. Not 30, but 40. The other thing is that the reptilian brain, it needs structure and repetition. Let me say that again. It needs structure and repetition. Everybody say with me, A, B, C, D. What's the next part? H, I, L. How did y'all know that? Repetition. That's why it's important for us to hear the word of God over and over because it changes our brain. Repetition. Your brain needs repetition. Your brain needs structure. I tell all of the families that come, if you want to have a healthy family, make sure your household has structure. Because when you don't have structure, you're teaching your children to be dismissive. When you don't have structure, you're teaching your children to have attachment disorders. When you don't have structures, you're teaching your children to operate in avoidance. When you don't have structures, you teach your children to operate in that animal brain. It needs structure. That's why the word of God says that we should bind that word around our heart. So it needs structure. The other thing that your brain will do, your brain will shut down. It's called emotional hijacking. That means it will give energy and it will take it away. What that literally means is, have you ever been so angry that you was tired? Have your kid ever thrown a fit and then they went to sleep? That just means the brain has gone through emotional hijacking. So let's go to our next thing. Failure to recover from an emotional wound means that your brain is gonna operate in a survival mode. That means that you're going to make unhealthy decisions that means that you are going to trauma absorb. That means you take on other people's stuff. That means that your brain rewires itself to the point that you may not feel again, the human brain. So when we go grow up with trauma, when we grow up in trauma, and I'm gonna come back to that slide. When you grow up with stress, the next one it's one after that you are more prone to be a stressful person when you grow up with stress you are more prone to operate in stress when you grow up in stress you are more prone to have conflict and resolution skills problems 
because you don't know how to repair from a conflict. When you grow up in stress, you struggle in your relationships. When you grow up in stress, you actually trigger negative behaviors in other people. When you grow up in stress, you can emotionally detach. When you grow up in stress, you can disconnect, self-sabotage, and disassociate, and it becomes your cycle. So when that happens to us, we start internalizing. And so we internalize two emotions, shame and guilt. Shame is the emotion of saying, I am a bad person. You even take on things that you didn't do. Guilt is feeling bad about a situation. The brain will produce shame and guilt whenever there is stress. And so what do we do? We began to use shame language. Instead of someone saying, you know what? You did a good job. I did. Shame language. You know, you are a handsome young man. They say, I look like my daddy. Shame language. Girl, you know, you did a good job. Shame language. Shame says that I am a bad person. And you began to internalize that. And you began to attach to people that have that same perspective. So that is why emotional pain and stress will drive you crazy or make you crazy. It will drive you or make you say it will drive me or it will make me emotional pain and stress will drive you crazy or make you crazy because what does it do for you it creates a window of tolerance for you that means that you are walking around with so much emotional baggage that you start operating from an emotional place so what are some of the things that you do? I'm glad you asked me. You use your emotions to get things accomplished. You use your emotions to control people. You have crying fits. You manipulate people through emotional Jedi mind tricks. When you have emotional baggage, you use your words. It's called emotional abuse. You become, you don't have to curse them out to be verbally abusive. You use this notion we call solidary conditioning, where you tell people, I just need to be by myself. You dominate. You're unable to say no, so you become a people pleaser. Remember, appease and please. And you are the person who says, I just don't like conflict. So what ends up happening is anger becomes your secondary emotion. So any disappointment, 
you're going to react. Any frustration, you're going to react. Any judgment, you're going to react. Any rejection and fear, you are going to react. And what does that do? It causes a mood disorder. So I want to go really quickly. I want to share with you what happens when there is a chemical imbalance in our brain. Mood disorders happen when your hypothalamus is unbalanced. So growing up, you can either assume a genetic predisposition or the stress of your environment can cause your mood to go up or down. That's called bipolar. That means that there is no consistency with your behavior. Bipolar has anxiety symptoms, which we call as arousal. That means that you are heightened and you get irritated very quickly. And then bipolar causes a downward spiral, which we know as the depressive symptoms. And that means that now you have disconnected from those things of interest. The next mood disorder we call is depressive mood disorder. That means that instead of having the heightened symptoms, you have more irritability, agitated, anger, and you are unable to connect, so you tend to disconnect. Depressive mood. The next mood disorder is called disruptive mood disorder. It speaks for itself. It means that you are unable to be regulated. So every time you are around, you disrupt some things. How many of you know some people like that? And then we have major depressive disorder. When you often hear people say, I have depression, that means that they've been diagnosed with major depressive disorder, meaning that they have more of the depressive symptoms. And then we have dysthymia that we see in our senior members. As they are aging, they get irritable. As they are aging, they stay in the bed longer. As they are aging, they tend to not talk as much. But then there is a diagnosis that we call adjustment disorder with depressive or anxiety symptoms. That just means that there's a situation going on in your life. You don't have it genetically, but there's a situation going on in your life where you now are exhibiting symptoms. And then the last disorder I want to share with you is called bereavement, depressive disorder. That means that you've lost somebody. You've gone through a significant loss. And now you're having these symptoms. How can you heal? I'm glad you asked me that. On this slide, that says executive thinking. And I want to give room for you guys to ask questions. 
Pastor, are you going to make those slides available for everybody? Okay. On this slide, you're going to see stuff about narcissism. On this slide, you're going to see stuff about abandonment issues. On this slide, just go through it and read it. It's very self-explanatory. But this is how you can start the work. Even if you never see a psychotherapist, the first thing that I want you to learn how to do is release the guilt. Everybody say release the guilt. Guilt is about feeling bad about what you did. Some of your childhood, you had no control over who you was born to. You had no control over all the people in your family who was unhealthy, who violated you. You had no control over all of the mean people that you are surrounded by. So you cannot take on the guilt of someone else. But remember, guilt is to the brain as water is it to the eye. If you stick your hand, I mean, stick your finger in my eye, my eye is going to water. When the brain goes through stress, it's going to feel guilty. The second thing you can do is release the judgment. Some people grew up in situations where people did the best they knew how to do. And when we start talking about historical and racial trauma as minorities and black people, our backs and our ancestors' backs have always been against the wall. And so many of them have operated in survival and many of them has passed on it's called genetic transfer we have passed on some of our behaviors so you can't judge mama you can't judge daddy then the next thing you got to learn how to do is reframe the story how do you reframe the story you remove the blame you be honest about your experience and you allow yourself to heal. I get people from all over the world that I see. I serve 19 different states virtually and all of the people that I see here in St. Louis. And so I got a referral from a doctor who called me and said, Dr. D, I heard about you. I'm a medical doctor. I just need to talk to you. And so he came through the process. He grew up here in St. Louis. He got my number from his sister who heard me speak. His father was addicted to heroin. Mom stayed with dad until dad passed away. So when he got out of high school, he went as far away to college as he could. Because he said to himself, I'm not going to be like my, I'm not going to be like my daddy. And he had so much hate in his heart for his mother because she stayed through all of that. This man went to college. This man went to medical school. This man took residency 
And now he is one of the leading doctors in the world that deals with gastrointestinal disorder. But he needed therapy. And so when he came and went through the process, he began to release the guilt. Growing up in an attic with an addictive father, that wasn't his fault. He began to release the judgment from his childhood trauma. He began to release the judgment that he had against the other boys in residency that when he would be the only African-American and he would have to outperform everybody. See, he was holding all of that in. So he learned how to reframe his story. When he reframed his story, I got a call from him and he said, Dr. Dorsey, my wife and I need to come through therapy. They was married 23 years, three beautiful kids, but she had some hurt too because she had to be with him and see him go through all of this stuff. And all of that stuff was manifested in their marriage. He became a workaholic. When she went back to work, she began to detach. So what did they do? I'm glad you asked me. They removed the blame. They was honest about their situation. They allowed themselves to heal. And the two of them began to engage in self-love. We call it self-care. I love the word of God because God tells us to love our neighbor as our what? If you can't love yourself, your relationships are going to be dysfunctional. Last time I was with you, I talked about boundaries. Everybody needs boundaries. You need some emotional and boundaries around your emotional thought and feelings. You need boundaries around your personal possession. You need boundaries around your physical investment in energy. Don't give your energy to everything. You don't have to go to everything. And you need boundaries around your culture and your value. If you have those four areas in your life, you can do amazing things. Oftentimes, we're never, oftentimes we are limited, not by other people, because we think it's somebody else. But we're limited because we are still carrying emotional baggage. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God's face shine upon you. May God lift up your countenance and may God give you peace. That is the prayer in Numbers chapter six. May God give you the shalom peace to do the personal work in order 
that your mind would be strong and alert. Thank you, Relationship Church, so much for having me. Thank you so much. Are there any questions? No question is off limit. Yes, sir. The four areas of boundary, boundaries around your emotional thoughts and feelings. That means that you are responsible for your own feelings and your emotions. Boundaries around your personal possession. That means that you don't have to pay for dinner every time you go to eat with your friends. Boundaries around your physical space, your energy and physical investment, meaning that you don't have to always be at everything and decide what you're gonna give your energy to. And then boundaries around your culture, your ethics and your values. If you can do those four areas, you will be powerful and unstoppable. Structure and repetition is what the brain needs. Any, any more questions? Any questions? I don't know if they're in the slides or not, but I can text them to you. They are in my, my, my book though, <laughs> Our Broken Brain, The Human Condition. You can order Amazon, um, any local bookstore, and it's gonna be on um, audio version coming up. Any other questions? No questions about nothing? Trauma? Phys oh, personal possession, physical, uh-huh, yep. No questions. Yes, sir. Okay. What's been, you know, something that's been um, a struggle being in this, being in this type of work. Um, the struggle has been when I get um, professionals like doctors and people who have titles. And oftentimes we have, we already have a part of our brain that's elevated. We don't realize that most people with title are borderline psychotics. I'm being honest. They just did a recent study. They said that they did a recent study with all of the CEOs and they took a psychological assessment. And what they discovered is that people who are in leadership tend to be more driven that their limbic brain tends to shut down. So they tend to operate from a doing place. And when you operate from a doing place, sometimes it gives the wrong signal. Yes, sir. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So the brain had, it just means that their brain, and I'm guilty of it too. It means that our brain has been rewired because there are just, when you are a leader, there are things that are required to happen. And there are some things that need to take place. And so when you're leading and when you're leading people, remember you're dealing with their brains. And sometimes our perception is off. And so we move, we, I'll just say this, and I'll speak for myself as a pastor and a psychotherapist. When I started a church in Joplin, I had so much vision that I ran out in front of the people. So we were a new church operating like we were a hundred year old church. And God had to deal with me to say, you got to act your age, even as a psychotherapist. But the vision kept me running and I wore the people out. That's real talk. So, yes, that, ta so that takes me back to the fact that um, even as novice, we need to remember the four basic steps. Yes, sir. You said, can you repeat that again for everybody? Even as a novice. That even as novice, in yes. other words, we don't have your intellect in your field. That's but what you've expressed to us shows us that as novice, we need to remember the four basic steps. The four basic steps. So when you have boundaries, the first thing. The second thing is understanding your own mental capacity, making sure that you don't bring your stuff to people. You don't project your stuff on people. The third thing is that you need to balance your emotions. And the last thing that you need to self-care. One of the greatest thing that Jesus did was Jesus learned how to get away. Jesus got away. Jesus did self-care, not some of the time, but all of the time. Jesus did not let people's emotions cause him to react because he had emotional boundaries. He had boundaries over his thoughts and feelings. And when people tried to manipulate, what did he say? I come to do the father's will. He wasn't ugly, but if Jesus was unhealthy, Jesus would have went off. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Yeah. You work, 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 work. So the first thing that started happening was the good intentions that I had for the church. Um, my board began to come to say, look, we had a lot of board meetings. And when they started having these board meetings with me, I took everything personal. Because they would always ask me, do we have, these were the two questions they had. They said, do we have the people for this? And do we have the finances for this? 
Do we have the people to support the vision? And do we have the, the finances? So I would always get offended and tell them, y'all just don't believe God. You just ain't got no faith. But they were right. So we had a building. And I'm going to be real honest with you. So we were a multi-ethnic church. And so a part of that multi-ethnic vision, I went out and I got all of these people and we had this multi-ethnic band. And I was paying all of these people on staff and I wasn't even receiving a salary. So my music department was our collection. So guess what? My friend, I'm a psychotherapist said, you need to go back to therapy. So when I went back to therapy and got my brain together, God began to speak to me. And so then we changed it a bit. And when God changed me, our church began to grow again. So I would say people in leadership, please have someone that you can be accountable to. Have someone that you can be accountable to. Pastors, get you a therapist. Musicians, get you a group in this church to be accountable to. If you're leading on a committee, have because what the brain needs is accountability and structure when your brain doesn't have accountability your brain will manipulate you i said that your brain will manipulate it will create it will try to protect you and it will ask a lot of questions any other questions yes last one no no i i really appreciate what you said concerning leadership and I, well, I guess I'm answering my own question because what you said in general today is talking about all of us, regardless of what you think you have something to do or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all of us. And here's the thing as people of color, and we're all minorities in here, we have trauma through to, due to historical and racial trauma. Remember, there's five types of trauma. Acute trauma is when something happens unexpectedly. Chronic trauma is when it's repeated over and over again. So that could be you taking care of somebody, waiting on them to transition. It could be bullying or mean people in your family. Complex trauma is things that have happened in childhood with violence, abuse, molestation that you've never dealt with. And then you got the historical and racial trauma, and then you have your environmental trouble. We live in St. Louis. Whether you live in a city, whether you live in a county, whether you live across Illinois, we have trauma in this city. We have trauma with employment. We have trauma in our communities. So we all experience trauma. We all have wounds. And so I would encourage you to get, find somebody. Again, you don't have to go to therapy to do the work. Crack open that Bible. And let God's word speak to you. Stay planted in your church and allow yourself to be accountable to the word. And then the other one is get you some people in your life that can be transparent.
the most beautiful thing that is happening now in this 21st century is that mental health and spirituality and I don't want to use the word spirituality but your relationship with Jesus Christ is now marrying because we need that we need that yes sir fail because of the lack of responsibility on one end or the other right and what people don't realize the average church size is 80 in America did y'all know that's the average church size the average church size is 80 and a new church your first five years is the hardest year because the first five years of a new church um, churches tend to die within the first five years. And so when we are given vision, it's important that we give the right information that we don't have people to think that because we see a lot of churches that they start a new church and they already got 300 people. But what happens is they don't put the systems in place. So by the fifth year, it starts dwindling. So your church is about the commitment that you guys make. That's what the church is. Whether you got two or 20,000, if y'all stay, if we stay together and allow the spirit of God to minister to us through the man of God or that woman of God or whoever that God has in leadership, you can heal from trauma. You can heal from church trauma. You can heal from employment trauma. You can heal from family dynamics. You can heal from any wound that you have. God bless y'all. Thank y'all so much for having me. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Join us live on Sundays at 12.45 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, just off Bell Fountain Road, about a mile south of Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word CONNECT there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. Relationship Church is the whole life church. So come grow with us.